Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hook em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Fabulous fifth hour, where anything can happen. Why are we playing this? And the uh, tie always gets to pick the wild card music to start the fifth hour. Is there a reason for uh, it's getting hot in here? Nelly is performing at the Big 12 Championship, is he not? That is correct. Thank you very much. Uh, Austin native. Ooh. Yeah, I got cut his, double Cut there. his teeth in Atlanta, right? Like, St. Louis. St. Louis. But I think he was, I believe he was born in Austin. I think, I, I believe that's right. And Nelly, you know, Brett Yormark coming from Rock Nation. They're going to do a big halftime. And look, that's part of, we'll get into that coming up, like uh, behind the burn orange curtain one more time, how Texas can lose this game, how Oklahoma State can find a way to win it. You can't take it for granted, obviously. That's been one of the strengths of this Longhorn team down the stretch here is treating every game like a Big 12 championship game. Now you're in it. But uh, that's another – there are distractions this week, right? They just handed out Big 12 championship uh, honors, which we'll run through again coming up. Um, you got uh, the portal opening up. So Longhorns have to stay focused, and I give Sark credit. Uh, whenever he's been asked about it, he's talked about this game is what we have to focus on. We'll talk about all that other stuff later, whether it be Final Fours or portals or uh, whatever it might be. Uh, but, you know, you got to keep 85 players um, locked in on that too. Uh, somebody said uh, this is some good text on our conversation about uh, the four, the fourteen playoff and how it's going to play out. This says, "E, you're relying on logic and justice. When was the last time you saw those things control the outcome of world's current events?" Well, that's true. Look, I, I'm sitting here telling you I could be wrong, and uh, but at the same time, I, I just because again we got to see the games played first, and then we'll be able, I'll be able to put out. Uh, like everyone will have their opinion as soon as it's all in the books and the uh, final puzzle pieces are played on Saturday night, we can all give our opinions of who should be in. Uh, everything we're doing right now is speculative based on what if Alabama won, what if this happened. we got to uh, win. Simple is Texas <laughs> has to win, and if Louisville were to beat Florida State, I think Texas would – you could go to bed pretty confident on Saturday night that you're going to wake up in the Final Four. Both of those things happen. Um, very confident, actually. Because that, because because that, that would eliminate the the ACC problem, right? That would eliminate a conference champion. Louisville would be the ACC conference champion at eleven and two. They don't qualify. Uh, that that's the spot you need if you handle your business. Uh, this says, hey, e, this Georgia team didn't win twenty nine straight. The Georgia program did with a different team. That should never be included. I agree with that. That's a great. That's a great point. I hundred percent agree with that. And that's why my argument is, and you've given me the pushback that if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia's done. This this current Georgia team has not beaten enough good teams yet. They have not accomplished enough to knock out one of these other teams. Like, if Georgia loses and Texas wins, Texas has a more accomplished resume than Georgia. And so they, they should be ahead of them. I don't care what they've done for three straight years. And now that's me saying that. The committee has to agree with that, too, because, you know, Texas beat out. You, you would have to explain yourself pretty clearly that how, how if Alabama beats Georgia, Texas beat Alabama by 10, how does that not get Texas in? Georgia's the one that has to be out. This is their play-in game. Yeah. They, they can't live on what they've done 
you know, for the two years prior to this one. This year, their best win is Ole Miss at home. Their second best win is Missouri at home. What's their best road win this year? Tennessee? Yeah, probably Tennessee. Not very good. So, again, and if they lose to Bama, this is their biggest game. This is their toughest test. And if they fail that, adios. But all, like, if you look at their rankings with the coaches poll, the AP, oh, everything, it's all based on history. And like, and and I, I, you're kidding yourself if you don't think that pops in the committee's mind. And that's that's. Well, you what think if Michigan me. loses to Iowa, they're not going to be bounced out. If if Michigan I, loses to Iowa, they're out. I don't. I think they are out. If they lose to Iowa, they're out. But I don't think, because that's a that's such a different. I don't know. In in the perception, I think it's uh, well, different. Not, uh, Alabama, Georgia, like I feel like they want both those teams in there. They don't want Iowa in there, so that they're not going. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to – I just want us to win. <laughs> well, I'm looking in the end. If, if Florida State is an undefeated, doesn't get hosed, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is this. If Florida State doesn't get hosed uh, as a 13-0 and team or at least chosen for, to get Alabama in as a conference champion of the SEC, it might be Oregon that gets left out I mean, they're, they're, that, I mean, over Texas. Because, again, if Alabama wins, that buoys Texas street cred and what their resume is. It, it makes it look even stronger. Uh, Oregon could be the team left out. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody is. Well, we know they're not going to leave Oregon out. If and I'm not sitting here saying there's no way Texas <laughs> could be left out, but, um, you know, this is TCU was undefeated last year, lost to K-State, and dropped from two to three. And, that, and again, each year is different. That's the whole point, right? Every year has its own animal, it's, its own puzzle. And last year, two, non, two t- teams that didn't win their own conference made it. Ohio State jumped in when, we, when USC couldn't finish off Utah. And TCU still got in by the level of accomplishment up to it. This, this year is totally different. We've never, ever in the 10 years of this Final Four had to eight teams entering the final weekend with a chance. That's never happened before. We've got eight teams with a chance to get there. And that's, that's what makes this so you know, uh, dizzying when you think about it. I'm just trying to present what I think would happen logically. And, and as the texture said, maybe they don't use logic. I think they, they, will, they would. But, and I also heard from a lot of uh, the national talking heads yesterday, the Fine Bombs, the Herb Streets, the Clats, same thing. That if Texas, if Alabama beats Georgia, guys, you got to, Texas is going to be, almost assures them a spot. Uh, because it, it, you know, that's the, that, Alabama's win over Georgia becomes among the best wins of the year. But Texas' win over Alabama is now still the best win of the year. Right. And both Alabama and Texas are one-loss teams. Uh, I, the, you know, we go spinning around. Besides, Let besides, me ask you about it. besides Michigan over Ohio State, which we've forgotten about, that's actually right now the top win. Well, what if Michigan football. get Michigan wins? They're going to be in. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. But but, uh, but I do think if Iowa beats Michigan, Michigan tumbles out. I, mean, I just think that's I do that's, too. What, that, that's that's my feeling for Georgia, and that's my point on nothing from last year matters. I feel like the perception of Georgia is higher than Michigan, and Michigan didn't do themselves any favors this year. Right, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> that's why we'll all tune in. The ratings will be bazonkers, and oh my gosh. Longhorns have to win their game, and we'll tell you about that coming up uh, behind the Burn Orange Curtain. But as for the NIL, and uh, you, you, as I say, you are the president of the Austin Music Movement, but you also are heavily involved, along with your friend Mark Higgins, who we've had on the show before, with the uh, Clark Field Creative and the Texas One Fund. And you were calling BS on what Matt Rule said uh, pretty clearly. That Matt Rule said there are six or seven, six and seven million dollar players out there. You're saying you, you've seen the numbers. You you know what you pay people for some of this stuff, and that's not that's way way above, you know, the conversation. Yeah, and we don't we don't publish numbers on what we do, but the, I will say that's astronomical. Like what he's saying, that's not. I I I, I think that's. I would like him. I would like to see the facts on that. So I would like to see that in print somewhere. 
And, and as you said, uh, what do you call it, the music, music attendance well, rule? Yeah, we, we, call that, uh, we call that music industry math. Like when, uh, when bands would say, oh, yeah, we had 1,000 people there. So I'm like, okay, cool, divide that by four, do this, <laughs> do that, do this. So there were eight people there that day. So I, I just think it's an – I think they, that people are inflating numbers and, and just – like a lot of this is for clicks. I don't, I don't buy that. Um, but, but so – how inflated is that from from what you've seen and you don't i mean you see what you guys are putting together and um you know you gave me the number that 80 percent of the money that's that's being issued through nil comes through donations not from some sponsorship deals yeah open doors published that who's one of the bigger bigger platforms that's used and and we work with open doors and yeah uh, blake lawrence who's the head of that put out 80 percent of all nil dollars are donor driven Uh, look i think i think we've we've seen some of those some of those uh, posts out there, like Bryce Young made a million dollars. And I mean, I, I, I would like to see it in print, but I think that's the, that's the largest number I've, I've heard out there, but who knows? They, I don't know what, I don't have the data on what's going on in other programs, but that just feels astronomical. I did see Diamante Tucker Dorsey put out a, a great tweet about NIL and uh, I sent it over to you, Aaron. It says, I find it so funny with this narrative that now uh, because players get NIL, it's all about money when they want to transfer. We play in college to go to the NFL to get money. It's always been about money, so can we please cut it out and stop pocket watching? And I, I think it's a fair point. I mean, like, it's they're trying to develop their business. And, and, you know, look, some of these kids are doing it for the pageantry and love of college football, and I think we'd like to, to still believe in that. But this is – it's a business. It's always been a business, and it's just other people were making money in the business, and now the, the, now the, the players and the kids are actually – are, are making money. Finally. So, yeah, uh, which I agree. Long overdue. And the fact that it's a wild, wild west is still the fault of the leadership of the NCAA and leadership of college football for not being prepared when it, it was forced upon them. But that's a story for a bygone day. They should have been incre- incrementally installing systems like this over time instead of just letting the, the dam break. Uh, this says, guys, I just want to clarify what I think Matt Rule said. He, uh, he said uh, he's not saying one team has a $6 million player. He's saying that there are six or seven different million-dollar players on a team. Way more believable than one guy making that much. Uh, is that fair? That, that's more believable. That still sounds high. but Okay. Uh, and you're in the space. But uh, thanks for – well, play that again then, Ty, the Matt Rule cut. I want to hear this. Did he say – because he does kind of speak pretty quickly in Matt Rule cadence. Can I hear that again? I want to clarify for my, for my own being. When you get that ready, let me know. Uh, also, this says, E, your logic doesn't make sense. You're going to tell me that a one-loss Georgia team will be out of, versus a one-loss Oregon team. Well, I'm going to say this again. And I, when I was hearing Herb Street and these guys argue this yesterday, I wanted to yell at them. The conference championship is going to matter this year. The winning your conference will matter. Uh, it will be the data point that you don't have. If you're Ohio State, if you're Georgia and a loss, you're going to have four other conference champions who have a 12th win who trump you. Uh, it, it, it will be the trump card. Uh, it, it will have to be. Like, because w- w- you're, you're, you're looking at level of accomplishment. Georgia, what have you accomplished this year? This year. Not last year. Not two years ago. What have you accomplished this year? Is that greater than or less than Oregon? Oregon won 12 games if they beat Washington. 12th win over the third-ranked team in the country, which is better than any win Georgia has. And they're the Pac-12 conference champions. That's the trump. I, I feel like the historical... I feel like it's in there, but I, and I honestly, I think there are two teams that would get that historical free pass. It's Georgia and Michigan, but Michigan canceled that 
because of their Spygate and all this well, stuff. Maybe that's where we differ. I don't I, think I, there's an historical free pass this year. I, I, I don't think, think there is an inherent bias in their minds. Okay. I really do. Well, I, I will and also I hope add, I'm wrong. I pray I, I'm wrong. I will also add fuel to my argument that I think they want a West Coast team in this Final Four. I think they think that's good for the industry. It, it is. I mean, point of fact, it's not wrong for them to say, guys, we can't keep having teams from a 250-mile radius in the Deep South representing our sport. The more d- diverse we can make it, the more – across the country we can make it the better especially when we have one of our semifinal games in the Rose Bowl and, and I agree I think a team from the Pac-12 will get in but I also think I, I'm saying Washington will not get that free pass if, if they get beaten right of course they, they don't they don't get that because they haven't been historically well, that's why Texas has to win and then they're the champions of the Big 12 right yep. and and I'll, under this argument I don't care one loss or no losses your conference championship will matter starting next year will matter a lot because the, the, the conference championship is a guarantee uh, in the Power Four starting next year with the 12-team playoff. Uh, gets you into the 12 teams. Not your seating, but gets you in. Um, this year, I think it's going to matter a lot. I, I really do think that's the data point that's going to flip it. Uh, because there's just too many. Again, we haven't had, had this many good teams, eight of them, with this good of a look at it ever before. Uh, so I, I don't think there's an historical check card or whatever it is this year. I hope so. Because I if you right. take it on level of accomplishment – what does this Georgia team accomplish if they don't beat Alabama? Win over Ole Miss at home? Great. Thanks a lot. Uh, I don't care about 30 straight wins or 29. I'm think this year your I level of accomplishment is <laughs> not greater than Oregon's. And, you know, we can say, yeah, they played – Oregon played Georgia to start two seasons ago in the Georgia Dome, and they beat them badly. Who cares? That was Dan Lanning's first year. That game won't matter. Some people will bring it up, but it won't matter. I, I think conference championship will be the, the ace card this time around. I think if you win your conference uh, with five that are close, that's going to matter over a team like Ohio State or Georgia that didn't uh, get in. That We'll see. I could be dead wrong. Yeah. I come here going, guys, I'm sorry. I thought. That's why I, it is what I think. Well, it's the one factual point that the committee could actually rely on of saying, hey, we put them in because they were the conference champion. Yeah. And nobody can and technically – you can't really argue with that. And they have said this before. Conference yeah. championships matter. They would like to put conference champions in. Uh, but like last year, as we said, two got in that didn't win, but that was just the circumstance of that year. So we'll find out, and we'll see where this goes. It says, winning your conference matters unless you're Texas this year and win the Big 12. Well, well, okay, that, okay but let's be real here. If the worst-case scenario for Texas happens, and that's Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington all win, you know, t- Texas is out. I mean, that's, you don't even have an argument. Yes, you won the Big 12, but you're fifth in a four-team system. Sorry. You lost a game. Those four didn't. I've got one more question for you. If, if Iowa beats Michigan, do you leave Iowa out? Yes. Of course. Of course. Well, they're a two-loss team. I mean, that, that second loss. I mean, you're looking at that. You're so down they to, leave the Big Ten out. They love oh, the yeah. Big Ten. Well, they, they, you got to earn your way in, my friend. Yeah. Got to earn your way in. Yeah. And this year more than ever, I think, uh, for sure. And that's why Longhorn fans are dreading this, that if they end up as the fifth team – with a loss and everybody else is undefeated, that would just be bad luck. As you picked a bad year to have a great season, <laughs> and it would almost be like, uh, I don't want to say this out loud, but 2008 all over again. Ugh. Where 2008, the Big 12's tiebreaker rule went against you. The Crabtree year. And the Crabtree catch. And uh, you, I, I, to this day, think Colt McCoy in Texas that year would have beaten Florida and Georgia with Tim Tebow, where, Alabama, where Oklahoma could not. I think, I think that Texas had a good chance in that game. I agree. Uh, I watched that team beat, you know, four straight, top 10 teams, and then end up losing at the last second to Texas Tech. Uh, beat, beat Oklahoma 45-35 that year. That should have been – remember, when Oklahoma was 45-35, OU was number one team in the country. 
that year. Uh, and so that Texas team, I think, you know, but those those happened, and Longhorn fans still remember that that uh, that day vividly. Now, you know, they, they would give Texas credit. They were led by Colt and Quan and those guys. They rallied and went and beat Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl and finished off a great season. Uh, and this will have to be the same if, if you end up in that fate. And, and, and look, and if you're a one-loss team and four undefeated teams get in, you can't argue that. I mean, you, you could argue, you could try to argue the Florida State point that I'm making, but I think you're going to lose that. I think you're going to lose that. But uh, we'll see. Looking forward to this uh, game starting this weekend. Looking forward to the game tonight. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain uh, coming up. Nick uh, laying in. So when you look at this NIL thing, as as clearly as you can, explain how this works from your perspective. When you the NIL donors put money, you guys put events together. To, to just talk about how this works, for, so that our audience can understand what the student athletes are being asked to do and what they're doing. You're not a part of when, you know, I saw you know, Quinn Ewers did a deal with uh, uh, an attorney, right? Where he I do so I'm doing well, some we, so we actually are. So there's two separate things, right? Like I and I and I'm not uh, I'm not I helped kind of put together the Texas One Fund. So the Texas One Fund is the 501c3. It's a nonprofit uh, collective in a sense, uh, or you know, just a nonprofit. So what we we started out as we were the only Clark in that being Clark Field Collective at the time. We changed our name just because we shifted away from that and turned more into a kind of uh, we do more brand deals now and the creative side of stuff. So we've always done brand deals. But when the, when the nonprofit started up, we pushed all of that over all, all of the like donor stuff, all of that goes over there. So we do the we do for profit deals. So when so if a, if a lawyer does want to do it, we've done some deals with whether it's law firms, whether it's, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll do the for profit side of of that. And then you can also give you your told us about the Kelvin Banks gallery furniture deal. Right? Yeah, yeah. With Jim McInvale. Yeah. And we're still we're still doing that one, which is great. They do a weekly podcast with <laughs> with, uh, with Mattress Mac and Kelvin. That's hilarious. And they're they're fantastic. Like Mattress Mac's awesome. Yeah. He's, a, he's a character. And, but and so there's that side of it, which is if you're a business, you come in and you, you, you say, hey, I, I want you know, I want Kelvin Banks to to be a spokesperson for gallery furniture so we set up the deal make sure everything happens everything's done correctly compliance is set up it, it compliance gets copied on everything so we make sure that everything is above board and happens and we and we and, on, and honestly it's more about just making sure the brands are happy and, and that piece of it but plus it's also like a, a lot of our the the podcast those things like that are all on that side of it because we're trying to develop media pieces ways for the kids to get their platform out there so so brotherhood even uh, uh third and longhorn is all eventually going to be a way to help kids to help kids make make money off their name image and likeness hopefully in the, in a sense so right now we're trying to develop the brands to grow those that people follow them and then there can be platforms for that so on the other side of that though is if a donor comes in like the so the the one fund has set up where you can donate you know $5 a month $20 a month and they do they do awesome things and what that does is activates in the community. So if you if you donate to a nonprofit, the kids have to activate their money through through nonprofits and nonprofit activities. So a lot of the kids help that that's where you see all these kids doing these amazing things and, and like like tonight they're doing something with the hospitals and and there are all these great events that activate and get the kids out in the community. And so and that, that's not just football. Keep in mind, no, that's no, volleyball, no, basketball, that's, yeah, baseball, softball, everything. Like and and same with the brands. So but but what Blake was saying in that tweet is that. 80% of the dollars coming into NIL are in that. It doesn't necessarily mean nonprofit, but it's donor driven, right? It's, it's the, it's the donors at the university wanting to do things, et cetera, versus 20%, which are the brand side. And you, you know, you worked in branding your whole life, right? Marketing and branding, whether it was working with uh, C3, uh, Lance Armstrong, uh, Bo Jackson, all types of things, marketing and branding and musicians. 
and you said that uh, something interesting. That a lot of these, uh, you know, sponsorship folks are kind of leery because it's it's new. And you know, how long is the player going to be here? Is he going to get in the portal? How how far into uh, you know, how far into bed do I want to get into this? I would like to support it, but uh, you know, how committed are they back the other way? And that's that's fair, right? That so when you hear someone say six seven million dollar deals, you're just not seeing any close to that. I I don't, especially on especially on the for profit side like that that the. This space is the the re. I think the reason anytime you have a new a new industry a new field something new like this, it's scary, right? Brand and brands don't want to attach themselves to that. But I think as time is passing, we're starting to see a lot of great things. We're starting to see a lot of good commercials with the kids, and they're starting to feel confidence, right? A lot of people are like, "Well, I'm not positive I want to tie my brand to an 18 year old." But meanwhile. A lot of these brands are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars with a 14-year-old on TikTok or something like that. So I think it's going to take a while. And, it, and, and anytime you have something new like that, you have to educate, right? And so what we're trying to do is do smaller deals with the companies first. And I encourage that of come to us, do, do a $500 deal, do an $1,000 deal, and, and we'll show you how great it can be, how easy it can be, how, how good your return can be. And then it look, hey, it makes sense to spend 100 grand. Let's go get four volleyball players, two soccer players, one football player, five basketball players, whatever it is, and do a bigger deal that really helps build something. All right, good stuff right there. Uh, and so so if Matt Rule is right, based on what you've seen of Matt Rule, if there are people out there making you know, millions of dollars, how is that happening? How would that be happening? Uh, would, it be, would it be above board or it's coming through the donors or how would that happen? Oh, yeah. I mean, it can, it can be done above board 100%. But also tell me where that is and I'm going to go move there and start doing brand deals, et cetera, <laughs> there like, and, and start doing all these deals and help them with that. So that's it's very interesting. So I don't know. And if that's happening in Nebraska, props to them. And so, I mean, I guess he's saying it's not. But, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's it, it, it can't – everything can be done above board as long as – the kid, as long as the kids are proving that they're that it's quid pro quo, et cetera. Okay, good stuff right there, Nick Shuley. Uh, good to be here. We're, of course, we're hooping, rooting for Rod to get back and get out of the protocols and join us back here as soon as he can. Somebody says, "Hey, Nick, any chance the collective is hiring? Got a degree from Texas in physical culture and sports. <laughs> Been wanting to get involved in some Texas sports in some way. We'll try to connect you if there is. I don't even know how that works. <laughs> can we stop calling it a playoff, guys, and call it what it actually is—an invitational tournament?" That would clear up a lot of confusion. Teams don't achieve their way in. They're invited based on a committee's subjective judgments. That's a great point. And that's true. And year in, year out, we sit here and do this and what what if and what at. And, uh, you know, I, I do think most years, I don't want this is not me patting myself on the back. Most years I get it pretty close to right. I don't think I've been – I even remember back to the, to the uh, horrible to Baylor TCU situation when they both fell out. I thought that was going to happen. I thought because again, it was all based on the level of accomplishment, and uh, it, it did happen. Uh, where TCU and and, uh, and Baylor both got phased out once the conference championship was won. Well, then, then I want to feel confident. Then, if you if you generally predicted correctly, what predict one, two, three, four right now? Well, I got to see the outcomes of the games. I'm well, talking if, about once the just, games are in. Just right now, as your Nostradamus, uh, since Rod's not here, so we need your we need Easterdamus. Your... Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think if I had to pick it right now, I'd pick Georgia, Michigan. Um, so that's one, two. Oregon and Texas. I love it. That would be because I think Louisville has a real good look to beat Florida State, right. uh, and at that I... point, I think it's going to then Texas is in. Uh, Alabama's out, obviously. Um, there'll be some push for Ohio State, but they won't have the conference championship. There will be some arguing for Washington, even as a one-loss team, but they don't have the conference championship. Uh, if you made me predict right now. But what I'm saying is typically when I go to bed Saturday night, I have a pretty good idea in my head who they're going to pick, and that, that's usually been right. 
Yeah. Well, Even when it's been controversial. I'm going to go with your picks because that's what I want in my head. That, to me, is a perfect scenario. I love it. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's the easiest scenario. That's the one where you tell yourself what you should root for is mostly chalk, except Texas, including Texas, and that Louisville upsets Florida State. If that happens, uh, I think Texas walks in at, at number four. And guess what? The TV networks get what they want, which would be a Georgia-Texas first-round matchup in the Sugar Bowl. They'd get uh, Michigan-Oregon in the Rose Bowl. The winners would play at NRG Stadium in Houston for the championship. I like it. And that, I mean, again, the Rose Bowl gets its old traditional Big Ten, Pac-12. SEC gets uh, into the Sugar Bowl playing a Big 12 school that's about to be an SEC school. And, by the way, Texas plays Georgia next October. <laughs> so this could be a preview of that. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back. When we do, we'll take your thoughts on uh, your Stradamus picks on what's going to happen this weekend. Uh, we'll also go behind the burn orange curtain here from Sark talking about this game and how Oklahoma State could pull the upset. We're coming back uh, behind the BOC. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Going behind the VOC coming up, it is uh, Texas and Oklahoma State. Also, we'll go behind the uh, blue curtain with the Cowboys. Getting ready for the Seattle Seahawks tonight. A lot of blue uh, coming your way. A couple of notes uh, before we go behind the VOC. There is a developing story involving Vaughn Miller, which is uh, discouraging. We should look at what did you tell me? There's a report, and these are the ways we innocent until proven guilty, but it is out there that Vaughn Miller of the Buffalo Bills assaulting a, a pregnant female. Is that right? Yeah, the, the headlines say Vaughn Miller facing arrest after pregnant girlfriend accuses him of assault. Domestic violence, never good. So we'll keep an eye on that uh, story, but uh, WFAA. Uh, up in Dallas was the first to report this, but uh, Miller's longtime girlfriend has accused him of assaulting her at their home in Dallas Wednesday morning. Uh, so yesterday morning, a uh, warrant has been issued. Uh, the warrant for, was for a charge of assaulting a pregnant person, third-degree felony. Oof. Uh, not a good story there this, this morning. Uh, coming out, so we'll keep an eye on that. Also, this was interesting, too. We all This was a big conversation yesterday with Mark Cuban. I'm going to sell his stake of the Dallas Mavericks. Brad Townsend, and thank you to T-Bone who sent us this, so found it on the Twitter machine. Uh, Brad Townsend, who writes for the Dallas Morning News, says a league, a league person familiar with the Mavs sale and its parameters tell me that as of now, the Mavericks, once the sale goes through, the expectation is that all five current Mavericks minority owners will cash out, which would leave the Adelson Cuban families as the sole stakeholders. So Adelson, of course, uh, the story yesterday from Bloomberg that uh, Sheldon Adelson's widow, Sheldon Adelson was the uh, casino mogul in Vegas. Uh, and, you know, his widow has cashed out, you know, billions of dollars in stock to be able to purchase the Mavericks. And uh, but Mark Cuban and she and that family will be the sole owners of the Dallas Mavericks when this all goes through. Wow. There was a lot of conversation about the uh, pre pre potential presidential run. Heard a lot of people echoing what we talked about yesterday morning, that is this what, what Cuban is lining up for? Uh, we shall see. Uh, somebody says, how, do we donate, how does one donate to the Texas One Fund? Uh, TexasOneFund.org. It's super easy. Yeah. And they, have, they, have an, they have an awesome website. I don't say that. I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with it, so, but they <laughs> did a great job. Do I get like a cool sticker or anything when I donate? That, they do. I believe they have different packages. You have like, there's like a car magnet and some other things. They got, they got some cool stuff. Uh, so there you go, yeah, Texas One Fund. And, again, that's for all sports. I mean, I know football is going to get the, the majority, but uh, I know there's been push for baseball and David Pierce trying to you know, keep up with the Joneses on that kind of stuff too. LSU just won a national championship with a 
heavy NIL investment from from that side. But uh, um, yeah, you can learn all that. TexasOneFund.org. It's all there because look, it's a five hundred one c three. Everything's got to be above board, right? You got to be. You can read up on it all you want. Right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you can. Any question you have has to be answered. Um, you know, to keep it legal and keep it above board. And, and as you've said, your Clark Field creative that you and Higgs do, that is where you try to. Now, let me ask you this. You guys help facilitate deals for profit for players and athletes uh, with your marketing background. Can a player go do his own without you guys, right? They can go oh, do whatever they want. 100%. They can do deals with, with us, with donors, with brands, whoever they want. Players can go. We aren't Like B. John Robinson, you guys were somewhat involved. That was mostly B. John and his, and his aunt, right? Yeah, his, yeah and, and his agent and, and people he had at the time. but he The yeah, mustard deal and all that stuff. Yeah, and we, help, we actually helped facilitate that relationship originally. But, uh, but yeah, and, and we, we're, a lot of those deals, we'll just connect people because if, if it makes sense for them to do it outside of us, that's fine with us. We just want the kids to find deals and, and be successful. And, and, and I think that it, it, we try to make it as easy as possible. And we'll also connect you with the right people. When we have people be like, hey, I want a nonprofit do this and that we just send them to the texas one fund etc or uh just send set them up with a brand if it's a super simple deal or something like that as long as the kids disclose it and everything goes through compliance it's it's all you can do what you can do anything you want absolutely all right let's go behind the burn orange curtain uh, one more time this morning it's texas is oklahoma state now t-minus two days and they were all asking themselves the same question what is behind that curtain All right, here we go. The college football Big 12 awards were announced yesterday and uh, pretty eye-popping. 26 members of the Longhorns honored in some way by the Big 12 Conference after a vote of the league's coaches. 26, that's the highest number uh, of accomplishment or or honor for a Texas program since 05, and I think we all know what happened in 2005 for the Texas Longhorns. That was a pretty good year. Were you at that game, uh, Nick, out in in California? I was not. I went to the Aggie game that year, but I was not at the – and and most of the home games, but I I was not at the national championship, sadly. Okay. All right. I was. I was left left behind. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I was – How old were you when that game happened, Ty? I was in second grade. (laughs) Well, I would have left you too. (laughs) Well, I mean, a lot of my friends were there. My dad told me he was taking me to the game up until the day of, and then he went to the airport, and I was not – Dang, in, you got in, in the cab. Got better deal. And then the it. same thing happened when I was in sixth grade in 2009 as well. And I <laughs> cried both times nearly the entire game. So. Well, I've told you my 2005 experience many times. I was, I was the most tired person at the Rose Bowl. Have I told you that story? No, why is that? The most tired person. Uh, well, because the game was on a Wednesday night, if you remember. It was on a Wednesday? Mm-hmm. It was January 4th. And New Year's Eve was that Saturday. If that makes sense, right? Uh, so Saturday night was December 31st, January 1st, 2nd, 3rd. So the game was on the 4th, which was Wednesday. So, you know, we were here on New Year's Eve. So we went out with some friends and we ended up at a friend's house and stayed up way too late. Um, you know, dumb. So up late, you know, it's bringing in the new year. Come on, man. Uh, but we had a flight the next day to fly to California that morning. So not a lot of sleep. Got on the plane, got to California, checked in. Um, Beverly Hilton, pretty right. sweet, right? The Beverly Hilton, where they hold the Golden Globe Awards, great hotel. That was the media hotel. It wasn't like we chose that. That's where the media was staying. Pretty nice digs. So get there that Sunday. My wife went with me, but she was going to leave before the game was over because she couldn't find a flight back 
Okay, so this was way back. And so we stayed up too late the night before. Then we get there, and it's Sunday, and, you know, we're going looking around and uh, whatnot. So mind you, we're West Coast time. So at that time, I was doing with Bucky a five-hour show. We're doing a five-hour show now. It was five hours, but it was from 6 to 11. But so in California, it was 4 to 9. So our show was from 4 in the morning until 9. So, you know, I'm there with my wife. So we are in this outside of Beverly Hills. So we go out to dinner, and we're seeing a little bit of the sights. Already tired from New Year's Eve. Uh, Alarm goes off at 2 o'clock. Like, we don't even know where we're going. We're going to the Premier Network Studios. We're going to do our show for the week. Uh, We've arranged it. It's the same studios near, like, same floor. We're talking about the Jim Rome show and Rich Eisen and all those guys. And so... Uh, who, you know, who was there when we get, we, when we got there at two in the morning or three in the morning, George Norrie was doing that. You know, the guy, the overnight guy, he was doing his show to the, to, to nationally. So this was it. So, you know, two in the morning up. And so that next day is new year's day. Or, Cause remember new year's day was on Sunday. So January 2nd became a holiday, it became new year's day essentially right. for everybody else. And so, but that was also media day. So the, the so we do the show until nine. I drop Bucky off, and then I get back in the car, and i got to go all the way down to the soccer stadium in a rainstorm to go cover media day to get all the Pete Carroll, Vince, Mac, everything, right, the whole day of media day. Back home, I'm thinking at this time my wife's, like, going, on, going to Rodeo Drive. She's doing all this sightseeing. I'm going to be able to come home, take a nap you know, while she's out doing her thing, come home to discover that uh, everything's closed because it's New Year's Day, essentially. So she didn't do anything but, like, sit around the hotel Got a manicure or something. I don't even remember what she did. So, long story. So now that I remember going out that night. We went out in UCLA area that night to watch, and we watched Ohio State play Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl. But you know, so not up super late, but ten o'clock, right? Back up at two. Back to the game. Back to the show. Now this is now Tuesday, and the wife wants to go sightsee. Oof. So okay, saddle it up, big guy. And it was Santa Monica Pier, Hollywood. Sign Hollywood Boulevard. We went all Traffic. day. Traffic. Tra- all day. <laughs> exactly. I mean, uh, Bredeo Drive. I told you about the sprinkles and the. Uh, this oh, was yeah. my 2005. Okay, so that's good. Well, and so the next morning is game day. So we're finally to game day. She's leaving. She's going to get on a plane before and be gone. Uh, so, but I, you know, back up at three because by this time we kind of know the role, how long it takes to get to the station. So I get an extra 30 minutes of sleep or whatever. So we can, you know, go up there at three o'clock. But still, we do the, the, the five-hour radio show, then back to the station, or back to the hotel, get on the media hotel. Or actually, we couldn't even get on the media shuttle because we had to go back to do a four-hour pregame. Because remember, you do a four-hour pregame before the game. So we got out to there at 1 o'clock to do 1 to 5, which was the, the pregame. Then we go to the game, which, of course, it was 7 o'clock our time here, but 5 o'clock on the West Coast. So the point of this is by the end of the fourth quarter, as if you go back to New Year's Eve, your boy over here is done. Like, I'm falling. It's like I can barely keep my head up. I feel kind of sick, actually. And the game is so compelling, and it's so good. But, I mean, I'd been at the, a bit, you know, doing the show for five hours and a four-hour pregame, going all day, going the whole week. I was exhausted, like I, mentally. I and I, in my head, what I'm knowing is I'm, I'm watching one of the best games ever. I have to go do postgame, and I'm going to have to get back to the hotel and get back up to do the show the next morning, uh, that was my memory. So and I so we did the the show Thursday morning for five hours. It almost that was almost adrenaline fueled because people were so excited and you know t- guests and people national champions and you just ride the wave. I remember we left from the Premier Studios, Bucky and I, got in the car, drove straight to the airport to get on our flight out, and I hit the plane and we were flying from L.A. to Kansas City, to Kansas City to fly to Austin. 
Bucky would tell you, I was asleep before we took off, and I slept. I don't even remember the flight I, to Kansas I can't City. Even imagine. So that, that I mean, that's just that's exhausting. Yes, like, that's that sounds terrible. It, well, I mean, I I'm I not going to be the guy sitting here complaining great, about covering a national championship game, but it, we we probably bit off more than we should have. It's I mean, that's an amazing week, but it is that's a coffee fueled or or the Hollywood has fixes for that too. And again, the, the, the <laughs> wife going kind of made it. I loved it, but at the same time, I, I couldn't go take a nap. Like, yeah, it's I, double duty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't go, you know, close my eyes. and it, Or normally I would have, right? You know, it would be how you would pull that off. But, you know, it was it's still a, one of the most memorable trips and memorable games. I just, like, I'm the one person sitting in the press box going, oh, my gosh. Oh, man. I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> That's yeah. My favorite part about traveling and vacations are uh, naps. So that yes. you, you you lacked that. Well, and you know you, that I the, 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 that night because remember it started at five, so it was over by nine nine thirty, but I still had to go get. It's an hour back to the Beverly Hilton, so it's just and you had to cover post game and all that stuff. I mean, it was euphoric, but at the same time, that was my state of mind at that time was pretty. Out of it. No, and and that's the thing that gets lost <laughs> in all that is the amount of travel time in L.A. Like anything in L.A. is is at least – it's at least an hour. <laughs> and your boy's over here going, why the hell did we stay up late on New Year's Eve? That was really dumb. I mean, it was New Year's Eve. <laughs> it was New Year's Eve. I'm, why am I up till 4 in the morning on New Year's and I got a favorite night 9 o'clock flight? What is it? New Year's Eve is one of the best nights. It is probably the best night of the year to go out. Well, you're... yeah, and, and you know, you couldn't you couldn't start pounding drinks to stay awake and having you know, doing I'm working, right? Yeah. I'm working this dang thing. So, are you, you this, big... this is not a sob story. I am just telling you oh. I was the most tired person at the Rose Bowl. Uh, uh tired you a uh, are you a big New Year's person, I take it? Mm, yes. Yes. Man. I I've spent a few in New Orleans and that's probably my favorite. So, if Texas can make the Sugar Bowl, I will be there. One hundred percent. I don't care. That's who, can you tell the New happens. Orleans story? Can you tell the New Orleans story once again, where you went to New Orleans with like twenty dollars in your pocket and stayed for three days? Uh, yeah. So I was. This is. I have a few different ones. Uh, I've told the one where I <laughs> peed my pants fully conscious without knowing. That was a good, good one. But <laughs> a time after that, I, I yeah, I had a trip to New Orleans. I was very broke. I wasn't even like gambling at the time or anything. I was just you know a broke college kid, and I literally had twenty dollars in my bank account. My friends were like, "Oh, you still come? You know, like we figure it out, whatever. Like we'll, we'll buy you some drinks." Uh, so I showed up to New Orleans, went to the gas station, bought a bunch of shooters of like Captain Morgan and such, uh, and then every bar I'd go into, I just ordered a large Coke. And I somehow made it like, yeah, two or three days um, just eating Ball leftovers and drinking shooters at the bar. So it was a great trip. All on, on a budget. I think we did that in college. My buddy and I drove to, I worked at a ranch in Wyoming. We met some people who went to the University of Georgia who were also on the staff and the crew at the, at, at the ranch. And they invited us to Athens. They're like, we got tickets to the game. We got a, tickets to a concert. So, and we had a four-day weekend. My buddy and I drove to Athens. We didn't have a lot of money, but uh, I had a place to stay. I had, I had enough. But I, I used my – I didn't have a credit card. But I had my dad's Chevron gas card. That was the, that was the key because I could fill the, I could pay for my side of the gas and I could get some snacks. Get food. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I, I didn't even tell my dad I was going, and I was almost like 20 years old. And he, like, you know, a few weeks later, he's like, did you go to Georgia? Because <laughs> he was looking at the Chevron card. He's like, what were you doing in Mississippi? I was like, oh, Dad, uh, you know, you asked too many questions. You know what I'm saying? College. Uh, college. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But uh, can the Longhorns get there? This would be the point of that story. Uh, the most accomplished team since that 2005 team. And here are the awards. Congratulations to Devondre Sweat. He is your Big 12 defensive 
Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, his line mate Byron Murphy voted the league's Defensive Lineman of the Year. Anthony Hill Jr. is your Freshman of the Year. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, Conference's Newcomer of the Year. And then Worthy, X-Man, J.T. Sanders, Kelvin Banks, Burt Auburn, all first-team uh, all-offense. Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Jalen Ford, first-team all-Big 12 defense. Jonathan Brooks, A.D. Mitchell, Jade Barron, second-team selections. Oklahoma State's Ollie Gordon is the uh, player of the year offensively. Mike Gundy was the coach of the year, which uh, kind of got some Longhorn fans fired up that it should have been Sark. I didn't have a huge problem with that. It did cost Sark 50, G, 50 Gs, so then maybe this can be the uh, that little chip he puts on his shoulder. You know what I mean? F-A-O, F-A-F-O or whatever, you know? 50 no, grand, guys. I think it's – look, they, they've used the, – the last few games, they've used the, the Iowa State fuel from Gerard Huff, Huffner – they use the the fuel of what Brett Yormark and Tech said. I think, look, instead of concentrating on all the great things that you got from this week, I would I would concentrate on the snubs and like and your coach got disrespected. You know they they put certain I'm not going to name names, but they put certain guys on that first team or second team and put you in honorable mention. I think. Look, oh, look, I think you it, play that. I think you play that up big. When time. I said yesterday, you you if you're Sark. Do not let them give the Big 12 championship trophy to Brett, Brett Yormark. Give it to Mike Gundy. Do not allow that. That is our trophy, right? I mean, you know, we, 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 kinda, we may have to beat the refs again, potentially. Uh, we got to overcome some things. But the chip is make Brett Yormark and his big mouth from the summer. Um, you know, Sark has played that politically right, right? He's taken the high road on that whole thing. I, you know, I just want Brett Yormark to yeah. be impressed. But we know they've embraced the FAFO thing. Uh, that's exactly right, and you know now Sark's like fifty grand lighter. I mean, that should have been my fifty grand because yep. he has a bo contract bonus if he wins the Big yep. Twelve Coach of the Year. Yeah, play that, play that up, and play that Reormark stuff again. Yeah, run with it. I mean, come on, you clear. They can say what they want, but when they get on Twitter afterwards and remind and keep the receipt, they're paying attention. Well, to there's it. enough people in the media talking bad about Texas and how good, how we're go not that it. good and whatever. That's all. It's I mean, it, you got easy fuel there. Casey, by the way, Tavondre Sweat, the first Longhorn to win Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year since. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, 2013. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. Brian Arakpo, 2007. Derek Johnson, 2004. Casey Hampton, 2000. Did Malik not win it? Nope. Malik Jefferson did? Uh, Byron Murphy, the junior from DeSoto, is the first Longhorn played defensive lineman of the year since uh, Puna Ford. Actually, Charles Amenhu, 2018. Puna Ford, 2017. Brian Arakpo, 2008. Oh. There you go. Hey, we come back. Uh, we will pick up the... What's popping conversations with you? We'll wrap things up and get you off to Jim Rome, but uh, Ty's got a pick for you. We're coming back on Hook'em Up. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that like stocking. Just joshing. I'm spending this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. By the way, uh, apologies to my man Malik Jefferson. Malik Jefferson did win. Uh, I remember 2017. Yeah, so I, I misread the uh, press release. So my apologies to Malik who did win Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year back in 2017. Um, my bad. My bad. Not popping. How about this? This is what we're getting. I just heard from a friend that said Arch is going to transfer to Mississippi State. Any truth to the rumor? Uh, <laughs> Don't saw, listen to your Aggie friends. I saw some tweet about that, and the picture they were using was was like an old picture from one of his you know college visits from like two or three years ago. I don't buy it. Look, I, nothing surprises me these days. That would shock me. Uh, I, look, I don't think Arch is transferring. I say this to anybody that asks, and I could be wrong. I know there are people in this market that do really good things that think I'm crazy, but he came here knowing the situation. He came here knowing that Quinn Ewers was here. 
and I, I believe this, uh, having talked to a lot of people and in and around the Manning family, they want Arch to play the long game on this. Like the Quinn Ewers family, what about this? Quinn Ewers wants to play the short game. I mean, the, the, when he reclassified and didn't play his senior year, a lot of that was about getting to the NFL and being a part of this year's NFL draft. The fact that that may be delayed a year, you know, is because he got hurt both years he was here, and the NFL's telling him, go back. We need one more year to see. And so, but the, but the, fam, the family was fast-tracking that, uh, and he wanted to fast-track it. The Arch Manning family is the opposite. They're, they're, they want Arch. Look, Archie, of course, the grandfather, the two uncles. They both played high-level NFL. Two of them are in the NFL. Some, some people think Archie should be in the, NFL, or in the Hall of Fame. Um, in their mind, football's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. And you're, you're going to be good at football. Enjoy college. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, like hide in the eye, but that's what they want. That's what Cooper wants for Archie. He wants him to get a degree in business from the Macomb School. He wants him to enjoy, you know, living in Austin and uh, being a college student. Enjoy it because football is going to come. They also know having played in the National Football League, football, football becomes a grind when it becomes your job. When you become the face of an NFL team, I mean, ask Tom Brady about that, right? I mean, I'm not saying he, not, he doesn't want to play. I'm saying that they want him to take his time. And if he loves Austin, he's not looking to jump into a transfer portal. And, well, what about Quinn Ewers next year? Well, he'll come in and he'll battle Quinn for the starting job. And if he has to be the backup last year, remember, it's Archie Manning who did an interview with, with uh, Sports Illustrated and cited Eli Manning's development where he sat the first year as a redshirt, was the backup his second year, and then started three years and went to the NFL. I mean, that's the Manning family wants him to enjoy it because uh, football will be there, right? Quinn's trying to get there, and a lot of guys are. That's fine. Everybody has a different course. I'm just saying for the, for the freakout folks, that's, that's the path. And he came here knowing that Malik Murphy and Quinn Ewers were already here. If he wanted to play immediately, he could have gone to any other place. Yeah, my, my best advice on this is let's worry about Saturday. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We will do that tomorrow. Uh, Nick, if you can, come join us tomorrow. If Rod can't come back, we'll, I'll try to get an update from Rod on his uh, protocol situation. Hope he's feeling better. We appreciate you being here, my friend. Thanks for the having best. me. Yeah, hopefully the people aren't sick of me. So No way. Can't be. Can't be. You're the most busy, you're the busiest guy out there. Hey, Ty, did you have a Sex Panther pick of the night? You did hit your Lakers pick last night, by the way. Way to go. Uh, I will put my life savings at Archman does not transfer to Mississippi State. I love that. <laughs> life savings. He doesn't transfer to Mississippi State. I think that's that's fair. Cowboys tonight? Cowboys tonight, Ty, you're gonna lay you gotta lay it to play it. You lay in the nine? I'm playing the nine. All right, buddy. Uh, good luck. Cowboys Seahawks tonight. Obviously, we'll be talking about that tomorrow. Also, more on the matchup. Uh, really start to drill down on this Texas Oklahoma State uh, matchup. Seems like a good fight for Texas. We'll talk about it tomorrow. 6 a.m. every hour podcast at hornfm.com.